This is the Talk of Fame Network, featuring Hall of Fame voters Ron Borges from the Boston Herald, Rick Gosselin of the Dallas Morning News, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. And now, let the debates begin. Who is a Hall of Famer? Will they be enshrined in Canton? Do they have the numbers to get in? Let the experts who make the decision tell you who will be signing their name with HOF next to it. And now, it's the Talk of Fame Network. We've got another good show for you today. Uh, we've got Hall of Fame hopeful Darren Woodson and New England's Devin McCourty as guests. They're both safeties, which is appropriate because that's the subject we're going to address today. And I'm talking about the inability of safeties to crack the Hall of Fame. Last pure safety to play? I know Goose knows this. Kenny Houston, 1980. The last to be elected? Ron knows this one. Paul Krause, 1998. So we're going to hear from Woodson and McCourty, hear about some safeties past and present who belong in the Hall and hear the Hall of Fame case for defensive lineman Roger Brown. We're also going to touch base with Matt Miyoko of Comcast Sports in the Bay Area to find out what in the world is going on with San Francisco and a football team that really has become the NFL equivalent of the Titanic. But first, we're going to take a tour of the league. And let's start with the week's biggest surprise. Nope, I'm not talking about the Vernon Davis trade. Can Wiz and Hunt's firing. Goose? You see it coming, and why do you do it now? I'll tell you, this one smacks of an organization that's lost its way. You hire a coach in 2014. The reason you hire him is because your team stinks. So he goes 2-14 and 14 in his first year with a very bad football team. Then you ask him to play a rookie quarterback in 2015. Then you fire him seven games into the season because he can't win with a novice quarterback. As one old football sage told me, you only have to beat eight teams in the NFL the other 24 will beat themselves. Count the Titans among the 24. <laughs> well, Goose, <laughs> as you know, they named Mike Malarkey as the interim coach. Here's what I find interesting. Wisenhunt, he's 3-23, and 23, uh, 3 and 20, I'm sorry, in 23 games with four different quarterbacks. And Malarkey, he was 3-20 and 20 in his last <laughs> 23 games with four different quarterbacks. So, I mean, what's the difference? I know what Matt Leinart says. He said, now Marcus Mariota has a chance. Yeah, well, that's Matt Leinart. But I guess what I'm asking here, Goose, is, whom would you hire next or next year? Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly. And how far off are the Titans? I'd hire a guy who was part of the great teams in Tennessee, Jim Schwartz, defensive coordinator for the Titans throughout the 2000 decade. He has seasons with 13, 12, 11, and 10 wins. He also did the impossible. He took the Detroit Lions to the playoffs as a head coach. He was defensive coordinator of the Bills in 2014 when they led the NFL with 55 sacks. Without him, the Bills can't get to the quarterback this season. He's worked for Bill Belichick and Jeff Fisher. He knows how to win. He'd be my first call. How about it, Ronnie? Uh, I like Schwartzy, but I don't think that'd be my first call. I'm not so sure. He's uh, he's the general. Chip he Kelly. May be. Chip Kelly. <laughs> I don't think that. Hey, how about Iron Mad Liner? He's got all the answers. <laughs> he's got all the answers, right? For, yeah. Except for when he was competing against Thad Lewis in Buffalo, who beat him out. <laughs> I wasn't Except sure that when was he was in the hot tub with those, there's a hot tub with those babes in Arizona State, you know, when exactly. he was the quarterback of the Cardinals. If, if Wizenhunt ever did anything smart, it was when he sat him down, put Kurt Warner, and then yeah, absolutely. He went to the Super Bowl. Yo, who <laughs> well, they, could hire, they could hire Jim Caldwell. He's going to be available. I got a feeling. Yeah, well, yeah, that's right. He always has success in his first year. Hey, uh, let's switch tacks here and talk about teams that are successful and not changing anyone. I mean, Ronnie, everyone talks about your Patriots and the chances of them yeah. going 16 and 0. I understand that, but. How come nobody talks about Denver? Have you seen their schedule? There are only three opponents with winning records. Cincinnati, your Patriots, and Oakland on that schedule. And all those games, Ron, they're home. So why not Denver? 
Hey, Clark, you've been trashing for the last two months. That's why not Denver. <laughs> That's right. You're part of the band. That's right. Well, that Olga game, we know that'll be tough. Dum 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 dum. So where are we? Uh, look, why here's not why Denver? not Denver? Yeah. Well, here's why not. I've actually been higher on Denver than some of my colleagues, uh, like my friend Clark. Uh, but right. having said that, because that defense is, you know, I mean that that thing is is lethal. Uh, but the temperature is going to drop, and when it does, uh, you know that 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 nerve is going to become more and more of a problem for Peyton Manning. You know, the one in his neck that controls his shoulder. Uh, you know, up, up early in the season, I thought a lot of his problems was he was just learning a new offense, and he had a, some new players in there. Uh, I think he's uh, Kubiak has, has started to figure out, hey, wait a minute, this guy's Peyton Manning, you know, not Chad Smith or Thad Lewis, and he's letting him do more. Uh, so that's uh, the upside. But I just, I just think that uh, you know, as the weather gets cold for a guy with his kind of medical issues. It's going to become tougher. They could still win just on the strength of that defense, but it's going to be hard. Hey, Goose, quick for you. Let's stick with the AFC. We have only two teams in that conference with winning records. That's Oakland and the team the Raiders just beat, the New York Jets. You getting on that Oakland bandwagon that Ron is driving? Been on it. I'm riding shotgun with Ron. <laughs> exactly. Well, they got they a potential franchise quarterback in Derek Carr. They added Khalil Mack, an elite defense player last year. They added Amari Cooper, an elite offensive player this year. This is young team on the rise. Ron and I, we're going to take it to the house. Exactly right. <laughs> well, you guys, the could, curve. you guys could take it to the house. I'm taking this one to the next commercial. Next up, former Dallas safety Darren Woodson to talk Cowboys, safeties, and that Dallas 49ers rivalry of the 1990s. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Two days ago, Jeff McDonald posted the following. Just watch the sunrise from above the clouds. So stoked. Jeff got 19 likes and seven comments. Not bad, Jeff. Geico has a comment to add that may make you even more stoked. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on car insurance by switching to GEICO. And if that doesn't put your head above the clouds, you'll have the extra money to scale a peak that will. Hashtag on cloud nine. Hashtag savings. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Hi, Tom Bodette. Apparently, it's not enough to go on a weekend jog. Nowadays, so-called fun runs have barbed wire, mud bogs, and flaming hoops. Can poison blow darts be far behind? But Motel 6 is a safe stop in the long or short run. Always a clean, comfortable room for the lowest price of any national chain. Book online at motel6.com. I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll leave the light on for you. Ow, was that a blow down? Call Quicken Loans now at 800-QUICKEN to see if you qualify for the government's Home Affordable Refinance Program, or HARP. And for five years in a row now, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction. And for the second year in a row, they've also ranked us highest in mortgage servicing. Call 800-QUICKEN or visit quickenloans.com. Visit jdpower.com for award information. Call for cost information and conditions. Equalizing lender license in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. When you cough all day, you forget what a miracle coughing is. Your cough soars out of your mouth at 50 miles an hour. Your cough is faster than a greyhound and nearly twice as fast as the fastest man on earth. So when your husband spends all night coughing, remember what an amazing world you live in. Or else, try Robitussin 12-Hour. It soothes and delivers fast, powerful cough relief for up to 12 hours. New Robitussin 12-Hour, because it's never just a cough. Use as directed. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network. Well, our first guest was a defensive mainstay on the NFL's team of the decade in the 1990s. Darren Woodson was a five-time Pro Bowler and a three-time Super Bowl champion for the Dallas Cowboys. 
played 12 seasons and retired as the franchise's all-time leading tackler with 1,350. But before he did, he was among the NFL's first wave of cover safeties lined up to cover slot receivers for those championship teams in Dallas. Darren Woodson intercepted 23 passes, forced 17 fumbles, and sacked 11 quarterbacks in his career, and he was inducted into the Cowboys' ring of honor last weekend during halftime of the Seattle game. Darren now serves as a football commentator for ESPN, been on the preliminary list of candidates for Hall of Fame consideration. And today, today, we're fortunate to have him. Darren Woodson, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks, guys. Uh, you know, appreciate you guys having me on today. Hey, Darren, safety is not a position favored by the Hall of Fame Selection Committee. There are only seven pure safeties in Stride in Canton and not a one since 1998. You're visiting with three Hall of Fame voters here. Help us with the criteria. What should we be looking for in a Hall of Fame safety? Versatility. I mean, I, I would think that would be the first thing out of my mouth if I was looking for uh, a Hall of Fame safety. And, and I say that simply because, listen, anyone can play 14 yards back in cover two. Anyone can play in the middle of the field uh, and line up there and not have to have any coverage responsibility. That's, that's one thing. But I would say a safety that can cover, uh, a safety that can come up and tackle, uh, and a safety that can you know blitz around a line of scrimmage and, and make plays happen. Around the, uh, around the line of scrimmage. And, of course, you have to be able to elevate the teammate's game at the same time. But, you know, when I when I look at these nowadays, I look at one of those guys that can transcend, especially a guy playing in the 90s or the 80s or whatnot. And, and then back in those days, there were, there were a lot of big safeties, you know, 220-some pounds, come up and plug the run and, you know, make big hits. But could those safeties games transcend and, and move on to, to later years, in which, like, you're playing in the offense now where everything's spread open, uh, offenses are looking for matchups, and they're going out, going at these matchups in one-on-one situations, and, they, and the game has changed. So, can, that, can the safeties that played in the '80s and '90s play in the 2000s, and, and especially with the way these offenses play now? And I think that's what you're looking for. Well, you know, as you probably know, uh, Darren, it took Paul Krause 14 years to get enshrined uh, in the Hall of Fame. He was the all-time leading in interceptor. The knock on him was he played so deep that he never tackled anybody. Now you got Steve Atwater. He tackled everybody, knock him in, says he doesn't have enough interceptions. Again, we need your help. Who, uh, in your mind, was or is the perfect NFL safety, other than yourself, of course? <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I would look at guys back in, when I first came in the league, Ronnie Lott was a safety. And I say that for one reason, because Ronnie Lott came in the league and he was playing played the corner cornerback position. He was a guy that was extremely versatile. And, and you watched his, I watched his game early on as a kid watching him run around and make plays. And, of course, he was a childhood hero of mine uh, as, as a safety. But, you know, Ronnie Lott was the, was the guy that, that basically started that ferocious hitter, that guy that could cover uh, and make big plays on the ball. I look at guys that, you know, when I came in the league, I was looking at guys like Carnell Lake. And, and for what, what reason, you know, when I came in the league, they, they played me a lot more at the nickelback position. I had to cover a lot. Well, Carnell Lake was a guy who played at UCLA. He was an outside linebacker. Pittsburgh Steelers draft him. He's playing the slot. He's covering the slot and the nickel. He's playing safety. He's playing a little corner on the outside. You know, those are the, those two are the guys that I patterned my game after because I saw how athletic they were. I saw how much they meant to the, the progress of the team. You know, how much they lifted up everybody on the team simply by their versatility. So, you know, I, if I had one guy to pick. I would say Ronnie Lott was the guy that is still the staple and the goat at the, at the safety position. 
You know, it's funny. We had Ronnie on here earlier, and he mentioned Kenny Easley. You talk about big hitters. Kenny oh, Easley's yeah. a big hitter. Yeah. You know, We're with Darren me, Woodson I, on the Talk of Fame Network. And, Darren, uh, you didn't arrive in Dallas as a safety. Uh, if I'm correct, I think uh, you were a linebacker at ASU and even lined up at some defensive end, I think, your senior year. Anyway, um, the Cowboys drafted you as a safety. And what I'm wondering is, and we've asked this of uh, Ronnie before, how difficult was it to make that transition in the NFL, he went, of course, from corner to safety, but uh, you went from linebacker to safety. How difficult was it to make that transition? Well, I think the transition was more of a mental uh, change for me. You know, at Arizona State, you know, Lovey Smith coached me at Arizona State uh, as an outside linebacker slash rover back. And, you know, what I did a lot there was I played closer to the line of scrimmage. Uh, he had me covering in third down situations more so than, than probably most. But, you know, I... I yeah, I did a little bit of that, but when I made the transition into the NFL, I was never a guy that had to make all the checks in the back end. Uh, and that was the biggest adjustment for me was lining guys up, whether it be my cornerbacks on the outside, my, my linebackers, just being that quarterback for the defense. That, that was the biggest change. And playing further in the back end on first down, I would play further in the back end as true safety. Uh, that was a hard adjustment for me. Uh, in my first year, and, and it took me a while to get comfortable with being that leader in that secondary. Darren, you arrived in Dallas in 1992, the year the Cowboys started winning Super Bowls. Your first locker room included Troy Aikman, Emmett Smith, Michael Irvin, Jay Novacek, Charles Haley, Eric Williams, among others. When did you first realize just how talented that team was? The first day of practice. And I didn't know, <laughs> you know, Rich, I can tell you this. I didn't, I didn't know, you know, I couldn't compare my experience with any other you know, the other other teams out there because I didn't see any other teams. This is the only team I've been on. But what I could tell was the, the competitive nature at practice and hearing Ken Norton Jr. and Michael Irvin, you know, barking at each other all day. Uh, hearing Jimmy Johnson talk about the alpha dog mentality and making sure that, you know, he didn't mind if there was a little scrap, a little fight, uh, and, and putting, uh, putting together guys and, and putting them in, in competition and letting everybody know these two guys are right now, these two safeties are in competition. Someone's going to win out. And I just thought he, he liked that volatile mentality. Jimmy Johnson loved that volatile mentality. And that's when I saw, you know, how competitive this team was and how strong we were. And I didn't know until, I think it was week one, we played the Washington Redskins uh, here in te at Texas Stadium. And uh, it was a Monday night game, and it was our first. You know, we played the preseason. And, you know, it could go either way. But playing that first game, and the Washington Redskins just coming off their being Super Bowl champ, and we handed it to them. And that's the first time I really felt like this is a very extremely confident team. Uh, had a lot of swagger, and we had a ton of depth on both sides of the ball. You played on three Super Bowl champions. You beat the Bills uh, twice, uh, and you also beat the Steelers. Which one of those? teams do you think was the best and why i would say the bills uh, honestly i mean and i'm looking at it from an off i mean as a defensive uh minded guy you know kelly and, and k gun was was special and you know you talk to anyone back there especially in the afc uh they they always talked about and you always saw what they could do and you had like thurman and uh, andre reed jim kelly uh strong off at the line in a defense uh, but led by Bruce Smith, you just saw a ton of talent on that side, and they had a tremendous amount of, of, of respect, a tremendous amount of, of, of success over the years. Simply, you know, you know, getting there so many times, you know, two years before uh, we even saw. So, you know, they they are a veteran-laden team, 
strong offensively. And I remember, you know, didn't see a whole lot of them when I was coming out of college, but in my first year, knowing we used to scrimmage the Houston Oilers on a day-to-day basis, you know, in, in training camp, and knowing how talented the Houston Oilers were back in the day, we saw that matchup. I watched that matchup on, on, on film, getting ready for the Buffalo Bills. And we know how tough Houston was, and Buffalo handled handled. Houston like it was nothing. I mean, it just matched up extremely well with them. So we knew that playing against Buffalo Bills was going to be a tough matchup week in and week out. I just thought the offense is what separated the Steelers and the Buffalo Bills. Was your team that beat that beat that Bills team was do you think that's was the best of your Super Bowl teams? I'm sorry. I said, do you think that your team that, that beat the Bills was the best of your Super Bowl teams? Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't think it's even close. Honestly. I don't think the ninety five team playing against the Steelers we weren't we weren't even in the same ballpark as the 92 and 93 Cowboys. And and I think when I mean, you look at those teams in 92, there was a sense of, there was absolutely a, a sense of urgency because you had to play under Jimmy Johnson, who held his thumb on you every day. Didn't, and losing was not a part of the equation. <laughs> and secondly, just looking at the depth that we had on the defensive side of the ball, on the defensive side of the ball, Chad Hennings, who was, I think he was the Outland Trophy winner in college, couldn't even get dressed. Per game, I mean, he couldn't. He, he, he was <laughs> he, he was inactive most of the games, and that's how deep we were on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and offensively, we all know we had the triplets and, and the offensive line will probably go down in history as one of the great offensive lines up. So, uh, I would say those that ninety two, ninety three, those those two teams um, were as good as any team that uh, probably ever won Super Bowls. Hey, Darren, you mentioned Jimmy Johnson. We're speaking with Darren Woodson on the Talk of Fame Network, but you mentioned Jimmy Johnson. Uh, you're the only player to bridge the Johnson and Parcells eras in Dallas. Can you contrast those guys for us? Yeah, Jimmy was a guy that was uh, a CEO type. He led by you know putting pieces and parts together, whether it be offensive court, you know, offensive coordinator was North Turner, great coach back then, or uh, uh, Tony Wise, and you know a lot of a lot of extremely good coaches on the off side of the ball that, that handled their business. And on the defensive side of the ball, we had you know, Dave Wonsett, Butch Davis, Dave Campbell, coaches that went on to to be head coaches in the league uh, that came from his tree. And he, he did a great job. Jimmy did a great job of putting these coaches together and being able to control the, the, the attitudes and the personalities in the locker room. I, I thought, you know, only person that could have ever done that was Jimmy. He did it with a forceful hand, did it with an extremely heavy hand uh, on players, and did it out of fear. Uh, you know, fear was a part of, if you're late for a meeting, you may get cut. Uh, and that's the way Jimmy uh, led his team. Parcells, much different in the fact that Parcells was much more personable uh, as a coach, hard on you, uh, treated you like a man, but uh you know, he expected you to treat him with respect and, re- and treat your teammates with a lot of respect the same way. I, I, I can tell you one thing about Bill Parcells. I learned more. I learned in two years more than I learned in my entire career under Bill Parcells. And I, I tell him all the time, you know, I, I ended up getting hurt my uh, second year with him. and wasn't able to play that second year uh, that he had been with the Cowboys. But uh, the growth that I had under him, I, I felt like that I could have grown so much more if I would have met him early on in my career and been so much a better football player all around. Not just, you know, and Parcells was a guy that wanted me to stop covering the slot as much in the tight end 
and wanted me to play a true safety spot. So there was a lot of, uh, for me, a lot of affection. He, and he was, he was like a father figure to me. He taught me so much about the game and life. Hey, Darren, we're going to have to take a break for a commercial, but you can, can you stand where you are and just stay right where you're put? No, sure, no problem. Okay, we'll be back with Darren Woodson after this. This is the Talk of Fame Network. Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by MyCleanPC.com. If your computer runs slowly, and whose computer doesn't, just go to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes, you can download software to cure what may be ailing your PC. That's MyCleanPC.com. Talk of Fame Network is also brought to you by Geico Insurance, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to geico.com. When you cough all day, you forget what a miracle coughing is. Your cough soars out of your mouth at 50 miles an hour. Your cough is faster than a greyhound and nearly twice as fast as the fastest man on earth. So when your husband spends all night coughing, remember what an amazing world you live in. Or else... Try Robitussin 12-Hour. It soothes and delivers fast, powerful cough relief for up to 12 hours. New Robitussin 12-Hour, because it's never just a cough. Use as directed. Little Caesars has a deal so big, I'm going to shout it down this well. It's the deep, deep dish count. Dish count? Yes, get our premium Detroit-style deep, deep dish pizza with more cheese and pepperoni for not eight, but six bucks. What a great deal. It is. Do you need help getting out of there? Well, um, when does it end? November 15th. Then yes, I'd like help. The deep, deep discount only at Little Caesars. Pizza, pizza. At participating locations plus tax. You know the story of Hansel and Gretel, where Hansel left breadcrumbs on the trail so they could find their way back home? That's what you do when you use public Wi-Fi, or shop online, or give out your social security number at your doctor's office or the bank. You leave breadcrumbs on the trail for someone to possibly steal your identity and take everything you own. At LifeLock, we use proprietary technology to detect signs that someone has picked up your breadcrumbs to take what's yours. And unlike free credit monitoring services that only alert you, we have a dedicated resolution staff to help clean things up if all those breadcrumbs get messy. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But with LifeLock, you can keep doing the things you do every day and feel better protected. Isn't it time to help protect yourself from someone eating your financial lunch? Plans start at $9.99 a month. Right now, you can get 10% off. Go to lifelock.com and enter promo code NEWS. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and Clark Judge. Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Proactive, and they've got a deal for you. For $19.95, you get Proactive and a rotating deep cleansing brush valid at $45. Yet, you're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or your money back. Just call 1-800-644-5944 for more details. That's 1-800-644-5944. We're back with former safety Darren Woodson. And Darren, I think Rick has got a question for you. We've read the studies, heard the horror stories about concussions and the violent nature of pro football. So tell us, what did 1,300 tackles feel like then? And what does it feel like now? You know, back then, it, you know, the, the pain and, and during the game, I didn't, I didn't concern myself with the pain. It just didn't, wasn't a part of us. And, you know, you did whatever it took to get back on the field. You got dinged. You know, I can't remember ever having a concussion. I can remember being dinged on the football field and, you know, things going a little sideways, and then you get your bearings back and you go. It's been a part of my life entire, you know, because I was – playing at eight years old. I didn't know any different uh, back then. But 
But now, I, the one thing I do feel now is that my body, from all the years playing, I had 10 surgeries. The, the worst one being my last, which was the L4, L5, you know, final injury with the nerve devastated and took them forever to, to get back. But of all the injuries, that was my main, my main injury, was that back injury. Outside of that, you know, my body feels pretty good. And, and, to, the, and to this day, I mean, I, I rehab. I feel good about myself right now. My body feels great. And I'm back to normal. And I can't say that for everybody else. I saw a good friend of mine, Tony Tobert, yesterday that had two knee surgeries, two knee replacement surgeries. And he's about to get a hip surgery. So, you know, certain guys got affected differently. For me, uh, I came out pretty clean uh, as a player. You've been a Hall of Fame candidate since 2009, and, and you've been on the preliminary list uh, several times uh, without making it to the semifinals. Goose always says you're not really a candidate until you're in the room. Do you think much about the Hall of Fame, and, and uh, what would the gold jacket mean to you if, if you got to put it on? You know, I just, it's, it's weird because I don't think that much about the Hall of Fame until the voting starts coming around, and then I have a lot of people calling me, like Lawyer Malloy. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> plays like guys like uh, Rodney Harrison, guys that we played together, you know, uh, and against each other. That's when you start to think about uh, the Hall of Fame. Is it an honor? You know, I'd be absolutely lying to you if I said no. Uh, that it's not an honor or it's not something I think about, you know, at times. I think about it in the way that you think about being in the ring of honor with the Dallas Cowboys. You're up there with the elite of the elite. And when you look at the guys with the yellow jacket, you look at the guys that you played against, guys you played with, uh, and it's a feeling of respect. I mean, it's the ultimate respect for a guy when he puts that yellow jacket on. And and I don't think anyone can ever take anything away from those guys because they earned it, absolutely earned it. And, you know, knowing that, you want to be one of those guys. You want to be respected. And, and we played this game for a reason. We played the game to win game or win, win Super Bowls, uh, you know, build great relationships. But we all got that alpha dog mentality. We all want to be one of the, considered one of the elite players of all time. Hey, Darren, uh, we started this conversation by asking you, what should we be looking for in a Hall of Fame safety? I want to ask you, who should we be looking for? If you were in that room, who would the next safety be that you'd put in the Hall of Fame? As name per name? Yes. As yeah. a, you want a name. Uh, you know, I, when I came in the league, a guy I always, you know, that you heard about, and especially in the 90s, was Steve Atwater as, as far as how fierce he was as a as a hitter. And, you know, just turn the tape on and see Christian Accordia in that big hit. Um, but Atwater was the name back then coming in. I don't know if I could honestly say, you know, knowing what we know now as far as, how teams ended up exploiting him in past coverages. Uh, but, but going, you know, going into it, I thought Atwater was a guy because of the name, because of, because of the fear that he brought to the table um, would change the game because guys didn't want to go across the middle. I mean, they were afraid to, <laughs> to extend themselves. So uh, Steve Atwater would probably be a one. And, uh, you know, and the guy's names that I would probably say, I mean, listen, Merton Hanks, and I know he doesn't get a lot of love and a lot of recognition, but Merton Hanks played the slot receiver, played the nickel, played the, the deep half, uh, played the middle of the field, and was an absolute playmaker. I mean, as much as I hated Merton playing when we played against each other, I mean, he didn't get any better than we turn on the film and watching him, him play. I mean, line up. It just, it just didn't get any better than that. And I know he didn't get a lot of recognition. Uh, back then, but he made a tremendous amount of plays for the San Francisco 49ers. Hey, Darren, speaking of that, 
Well, the Cowboys have become the great team they became had it not been for the 49ers. And how intense was that rivalry? I don't think so. I don't think the, the you know, we would be talking that much about the Cowboys team if we didn't have the 49ers to battle on, on when it came to the playoffs or during the regular season when we had that you know great matchups. We had the two best teams in the NFC going head to head. I don't know if we would be talking about how, you know, the Cowboys as being a, a dynasty uh, back then. The, the matchup was one where you always circled it going into the season. You knew, I personally knew that I was going to see at some point they're going to move Gary in the slot to see if he can, you know, from a matchup. I know I had to come, come with it and play hard and study and, and be prepared. It was just one of those games where it was a, it was like a, a playoff mentality going into that game because you knew you could not make a mistake. You knew everyone was tuning in. I remember guys, players on other teams, like my buddy Felipe Sparks played with the Giants. He was calling me saying, I can't wait to watch this game. And, and he's with the Giants. So it was, it was, you knew it was a game that everyone was going to be tuned into. All my family and friends are going to be there. And I just wanted to play at, at my best. And, uh, you know, the, the way, you know, Jimmy handled it in 92 and 93, we were on edge going into those games. You know, it's funny. Was, I, co- I covered those 94 49ers. And I remember when they beat you up in San Francisco after that game, Carmen Policy who was then the president of the team, he said the Super Bowl was going to be anticlimactic and got a lot yes. of heat for it, but he was absolutely right. The Super Bowl was played in Candlestick that day. That's where it was played. You know what? I, to this day, to this, we can sit here today. I just spoke about it yesterday. I was in a, uh, at a Ring of Honor event. To this day, that game burns me up. It just chaps my ass. That we lost that game. <laughs> I can't think. I, I mean, I, I can't think of any other words to think of. Like, you know, because we we had their number for a couple of years, and, and, and even to this day, Burton Hanks talked about it. You know, all the time that you know I should have four rings on my hands, uh, three, and they they were the reason we did. Darren, last thing: How exhilarating was it when Alvin Harper caught that pass in no. the '92 game? You know, I still think he got caught from behind. I think that's the, the you know, Alvin Harper was a superstar track guy and, you know, never been caught from behind. He ended up getting caught from behind and not scoring a touchdown that play. But the play itself, you know, was designed up, you know, perfectly. And I, I know Michael Irvin was on one, was supposed to be on that side and ended up moving over to the other side. And I can be honest, I didn't know all the X's and O's of what was going on. I can remember sitting, remember sitting on the sideline at the very end and watch Harper on matched up one-on-one and running that, that was the quick slant or uh, post. And when he put it, put the, got the ball in his hand, I said, there's no way he's catching. I mean, it was the biggest, in my in my mind at, at the time, it was the biggest play in 1992 the entire season was that play right there that Alvin Harper made. Hey, Darren, unfortunately, we're out of time. We've got to go. But I think we all agree safeties deserve better shape than this committee. And maybe, just maybe, this can be the year. But again, thank you so much for stopping by. Man, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Thanks Darren. Darren. Thanks, Darren. Well, that was former Cowboy safety Darren Woodson. And this, yeah, this is when we hear from someone who's already in the hall. I'm talking about a Rick Gosselin, a.k.a. Dr. Data, who's here to remind us why Tom Brady, well, why he's really Tom Terrific. Goose? Yeah, Clark, generally, the more you throw in the NFL, the worse you fare. A 300-yard passing game has become a benchmark for quarterbacks. There have been 64 of them this season. And the quarterbacks who have collected them are barely over 500 with 34 wins and 30 losses. 
it usually takes a quarterback 30 or 40 throws to get those 300 yards. Sometimes it takes 50 and occasionally even 60. There have been 67 games over the last three seasons that quarterbacks have thrown at least 50 passes in a game. That's a lot of passes. Now get this. When a quarterback has thrown 50 or more passes, his team wins only 29.8% of the time. That's right. Quarterbacks with 50-plus passes are 20 and 47 these last three seasons. Now here's the interesting twist. Tom Brady is 9-2 and two when he's thrown the ball 50 times during that three-year stretch. That means all other quarterbacks in the NFL are 11-45 and 45 in those 50-pass games. That's a winning percentage of 19.6%. Drew Brees and Peyton Manning are both 2-2, two and two, and Joe Flacco, 1-7. Brady obviously is an anomaly. He's 3-1 in his 50-pass games in 2013, 4-1 in 2014, and 2-0 this season with wins over the Bills and Jets. Both of his losses, ironically, have come at the hands of the Miami Dolphins. He threw 50 times for only 288 yards in a 2013 loss and 56 times for just 249 yards in a 2014 defeat. Usually, the more your, your, opponent, feels the, um, the more your opponent feels, the better your chances of, of winning. Unless, of course, you're playing Tom Brady. But he's the exception to a lot of rules. Goose, talk about throwing. I'm going to throw this one to commercial. But when we return... You're going to hear why former defensive lineman Roger Brown, yes, Roger Brown, belongs in the Hall of Fame. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Hi, Tom Bodette. These days, the Internet is full of quizzes to find out what kind of fruit you are or what movie character you're most like or what state you belong in. Well, take it from this tangerine space cop who apparently belongs in Alaska. You won't find any quizzes at Motel6.com. Just lots of clean, comfortable rooms for the lowest price of any national chain. Now, let's see. Am I more like a mild Swiss or a smoked Gouda? Well, I'm Tom Bodette for Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. When you cough all day, you forget what a miracle coughing is. Your cough soars out of your mouth at 50 miles an hour. Your cough is faster than a greyhound and nearly twice as fast as the fastest man on earth. So when your husband spends all night coughing, remember what an amazing world you live in. Or else, try Robitussin 12-Hour. It soothes and delivers fast, powerful cough relief for up to 12 hours. New Robitussin 12-Hour, because it's never just a cough. Use as directed. Two days ago, Jeff McDonald posted the following. Just watched the sunrise from above the clouds. So stoked. Jeff got 19 likes and 7 comments. Not bad, Jeff. Geico has a comment to add that may make you even more stoked. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on car insurance by switching to Geico. And if that doesn't put your head above the clouds, you'll have the extra money to scale a peak that will. Hashtag on cloud nine. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Call Quicken Loans now at 800-QUICKEN to see if you qualify for the government's Home Affordable Refinance Program, or HARP. And for five years in a row now, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction. And for the second year in a row, they've also ranked us highest in mortgage servicing. Call 800-QUICKEN or visit quickenloans.com. Visit jdpower.com for award information. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender, license in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Gosselin, and Hall of Fame host Clark Judge. They are who we thought they were. The Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Proactive, and here's the deal for you. 1995 not only gets you proactive, but also buys you a deep, rotating brush valued at 
$45. What's more? You're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or your money back. Want more? Well, call 1-800-644-5944. That's 1-800-644-5944. That's proactive. We're also brought to you by GEICO, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to GEICO.com. Guys, uh, two Hall of Fame candidates were honored by the franchises last weekend. One was Darren Woodson, who we just spoke to, and the other was Denver owner Pat Bolin. Goose, I want to start with you. How would you evaluate their chances to reach Canton, and which of these two do you think has the better shot? I like Woodson because he's a player. He has 15 chances every year. As a contributor, Bolin is competing for one or two spots in a year. That makes him and all contributor candidates long shots. Yeah, I tend to agree. Uh, you know, I think Woodson, uh, he does have the, the advantage of being a player. He's got the disadvantage of playing the wrong position, unfortunately. Yeah. And with uh, Ed Reed and Polo Milo coming up and some other guys, Brian Dawkins, you know, it's, it could be difficult if, if he doesn't make a move uh, pretty quickly. As for Bolin, I just don't see him getting in because, uh, you know, having enough money to buy a franchise shouldn't really get you in the Hall of Fame. I'm, I'm not exactly sure what else he did. He had a good team, but so what? He had a good team with John Elway who was a quarterback. You and I would have, too. We didn't have the money to buy the team or even buy a trading card. You soon will, Ron, if you keep on with all this uh, information and uh, uh, extracurricular activity you're doing here. I understand you've got a lot of freelance work going, right? That's right. Well, I'm in the information business. There you go. All right. Um, I asked you who has the better shot here. I, I know who's got the best chance of having a good time this week, and I don't think it's Pat Bolin or it's Darren Woodson. It's our birthday, boys. That is all but Colin Kaepernick. So ring on the cake, Derek. Let's hear the roll call. On Thursday, November 5th, one of my favorite players ever and a guy who redefined the tight end position, Hall of Famer Kellen Winslow, he turns 58. Saturday, November 7th, former San Francisco linebacker and defensive end Tommy Hart, who twice had 16 sacks in one season, he turns 71. On Tuesday, November 10th, Hall of Fame hopeful Ike Bruce, who's on the ballot for the second time this year, he turns 43, and one day later on Veterans Day, November 11th, a guy who should be in this Hall of Fame list of assistants for what he's doing in Oakland this season, Raiders offensive coordinator Bill Musgrave. you got to like it, Ron. He turns Put him in. Put him in. Hall of Famer. Always been one of my favorites, Bill Musgrave. Guys, happy birthday to the man who holds Chip Kelly's fate as an NFL head coach in his hands, Sam Bradford. He turns 27 Sunday when his Eagles play the Cowboys. Kelly traded a Pro Bowl and an NFL passing champion quarterback for the right to have bad Bradford services trigger for this offense. The Eagles are 3-4, and four, and Bradford is among the league leaders with 10 interceptions. So happy birthday, Sam, and good luck, Chip. <laughs> <laughs> in Tennessee. <laughs> uh, well, you know me when it comes to birthdays, boys. I like to go back into the time machine a, a little bit. November 4th, 1879, one of America's true characters was born in, in the Oluga Indian Territory, now known as Oklahoma. Goose probably knew that. <laughs> The what territory? The uh, Uluga Indian Territory. (laughs) Uh, I'm sure Goose probably hangs out there. Uh, And that man was known as Will Rogers, who once said, I never met a man I didn't like. Of course, he never met Greg Hardy. (laughs) (laughs) Or us. Congratulations to everyone to make it to another year. And uh, Goose is going to be sending out invitations to that Colin Kaepernick post-birthday party. And anyone with a job opening out there? You're invited to attend. Ron, of course, won't be there because he's been busy this week making the Hall of Fame case for former Detroit and L.A. Ram defensive lineman Roger Brown, which he did on our website, talkoffamenetwork.com. And, Ron, I know you believe in this guy because I read what you said, but if you missed it, 
out there, listeners, you're in luck. We have Ron right here, right now, to make the case for Roger Brown, a leading actor in the 1962 Thanksgiving Day Massacre. Uh, indeed he was, Clark. Roger Brown uh, has a life-size statue of Hall of Fame quarterback and Packer legend Bart Starr in his restaurant in, in uh, Portsmouth, Virginia. Frankly, it should be lying on its back because that's where Starr and many other quarterbacks who encountered Roger Brown during his 10-year career as an NFL defensive tackle ended up. He's a six-time Pro Bowl selection in 10 years, and he was unique in many ways, not the least being his unusual combination for the day of size, speed, and agility. He was 6'5 and 300 pounds, give or take a T-bone, uh, and he was the heaviest defensive lineman in the NFL for most of his career. Uh, and in fact, was so heavy that uh, in Detroit, they had to take him to the railway station to weigh him once a week because their scale only went up to 250 pounds. Uh, but despite his bulk, he, he ran 110 flat and flattened many a quarterback because of it. Uh, within two years after being drafted in 1960, he made the first of his six straight Pro Bowl appearances and had become the larger half of what many believe is the greatest defensive tackle combination in NFL history, Roger Brown and Alex Karras, neither of whom, by the way, are in the Hall of Fame, which I blame on Goose. Uh, together, they were half of the original fearsome foursome, playing uh, 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 Roger Brown is, in fact, the only player to play on two fearsome foursomes. Because when he went to the L.A. Rams in 67, he joined Deacon Jones, Merlin Olson, and Lamar Lundy, and they became the second fearsome uh, foursome. But that group was born in Detroit. Uh, between 1962 and 1965, the Lions sacked the quarterback 235 times, including 57 times in 1966. It's no coincidence that those numbers began to fall after Roger Brown's departure. Uh, he first developed his uh, infamous head slap in college, where he admits he taped a shower flip-flop to his arm and used that to add a little extra impact. Uh, when he got to the NFL, the flip-flops were gone, but the slap terrorized NFL linemen for a decade. And that was never more evident than on Thanksgiving Day, 1962, a day forever known as the Thanksgiving Day Massacre in both Detroit and Green Bay. And that afternoon, Roger Brown was chief assassin. The Packers were 10-0 when they came in in Tiger Stadium and the defending NFL champions. But on November 22, 1962, they were thankful for only one thing, that the damn game was only 60 minutes long. Because Roger Brown sacked Bart Starr six times. The team sacked him 11 times. He also blocked a field goal caused a fumble that was returned for a touchdown, and threw Starr on the ground for a safety. That's a career for most defensive linemen. In 2009, Roger Brown became within a whisker of being named a Hall of Fame finalist, an honor many of his peers believe is long overdue. Today, at 78, he's still waiting to hear that his credentials will be debated. He deserves that discussion. Well, that's the signal that we deserve a discussion, too. Our first hour is almost over, and we're going to go right to the two-minute drill. Yes, the two-minute drill. We're asked the questions. Our producer, Derek Burns, runs the clock. Derek, without, hopefully, assistance for those NFL refs who are under so much trouble, or anyone working last week's Duke-Miami game. So, Derek, let's get it started. Anyone heard from Terrell Suggs lately? When you rank 25th in defense, the Ravens could use Suggs and Haloti Noda, Ray Lewis, Chris McAllister, Peter Boer. <laughs> yeah, they've heard of him. He's hanging with our friend of the show, Steve Smith Sr., at the hospital, unfortunately. <laughs> Drew Brees, J.D. Drew, or Drew Barrymore? You measure greatness with longevity, so I'm going with Nancy Drew in her mysteries. Oh, excellent. Look, nobody was harder than Drew Brees was last Sunday. Certainly not Drew Barrymore. Captain Munnerlin, yes, Captain, not Lieutenant Munnerlin, says Todd Gurley is, quote, Adrian Peterson all over again, unquote. Agree or disagree? Better for Captain Munderland to make that bold proclamation than say Captain Crunch. Slow down. 
I don't know. For his kid's sake, I hope he isn't. <laughs> what did Eddie George learn from the NFL that he can take to Broadway with him in the hit play, Chicago? It's harder to get to Canton than it is to Broadway. <laughs> don't hire Jake Cutler as your director. <laughs> True or false? It's time to believe in Seattle again. True. The defense is not allowed an offensive touchdown in two weeks. It all starts in Seattle on defense. Yeah, true. Until they get to the one-yard line in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Andrew Luck has broken ribs. Is it time for the NFL to sick Ted Wells on the Colts? Well, he didn't look like he had broken ribs in the fourth quarter of Carolina the other night. Yeah, where did Jay Glazier get his medical degree? Cracked rib, crack ribs university? Whatever happened to Ray Rice? If he can play cornerback, the Ravens can still use him in the 29th-ranked <laughs> pass defense. As Chuck Noll would say, it was time to move on to his life's work. Is the honeymoon over for Rex in Buffalo? The only Ryan of any consequence in Buffalo is former Spartan Ryan Miller. Rex is making Buffalo a hockey town once again. As usual, Rex is in the wrong place, wrong time. The honeymooners go to Niagara Falls, not Buffalo. <laughs> Where's the D in that Green Bay defense? Where's A.J. Hawk when you really need him? <laughs> Judging by what I, what I saw, still on its bye week. What should we expect from JPP? A guy who is accountable, a guy who doesn't point fingers at anyone. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, what should we expect from JPP? TNT. Kirk Cousins is selling, you like that t-shirts. So how many does Goose buy? Give the young man credit for putting his Michigan State degree to work for, for him as an entrepreneur. I would say that would depend on if they come in Spartan green. <laughs> Jim Schwartz wants to coach again. So who hires him? Tennessee Titans. He did the impossible. He took the Lions to the playoffs. He'll be on everyone's short list. Anybody who needs a defense built, nobody who needs a team built. That is the end of our first hour. Coming up, we have Election Central. Devin McCourty and a look at safeties who should be, no, maybe, no, could be in the Hall of Fame. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Talk of Fame Network's brought to you by MyCleanPC. If your computer runs slowly, go to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes, you can download software that can clean up what may be the problem. For more information, go to MyCleanPC.com. Talk of Fame Network's also brought to you by Geico Insurance, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to Geico.com. You know the story of Hansel and Gretel, where Hansel left breadcrumbs on the trail so they could find their way back home? That's what you do when you use public Wi-Fi, or shop online, or give out your social security number at your doctor's office or the bank. You leave breadcrumbs on the trail for someone to possibly steal your identity and take everything you own. At LifeLock, we use proprietary technology to detect signs that someone has picked up your breadcrumbs to take what's yours. And unlike free credit monitoring services that only alert you, we have a dedicated resolution staff to help clean things up if all those breadcrumbs get messy. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But with LifeLock, you can keep doing the things you do every day and feel better protected. Isn't it time to help protect yourself from someone eating your financial lunch? Plans start at $9.99 a month. Right now, you can get 10% off. Go to LifeLock.com and enter promo code NEWS. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. Welcome back to our number two of the Talk of Fame Network. Coming up, you're going to hear from another safety, New England's Devin McCourty, as well as hear which safeties we think are Hall of Fame ready. Not to mention, talk about why we believe it's so difficult for safeties to get in. And it is. 
But first, yeah, first, you hear that music? You understand what that is? Because I do. It's election week. It's election week. And because it's election week, we're going to the polls. No, we're not going to try to put someone in Washington. We're trying to put someone in Canton. So this is your chance, Rick and Ron, to cast your votes. Listen to Alice Cooper here. You must also tell us why you made the choice. You have that? Guys, gotcha. have that? Okay. Pretty Let's complicated. Get Let's get ready to vote. You like that Michael Buffer? Very yeah, good. First up, future. excluding friend of the show, Tony Dungy, the head coach you would put in today. Goose? Dan Reeves. He ranks eighth on the all-time victory list at 201 and has participated in more Super Bowls than any player, coach, or owner. He played in two Super Bowls, served in an assistant in three more, and took four teams to a Super Bowl as a head coach. He won rings as a player and as an assistant, but because he never went on as a coach, he's been on the outside looking in. He's deserving. Uh, so too is Tom Flores, the uh, first Hispanic uh, head coach uh, in NFL history, first Hispanic uh, starting quarterback in the American Football League. He won two Super Bowls with the Raiders, and frankly, I think he would have had a good chance of being in had he not gone uh, uh, to Seattle and made the mistake of, of stepping down from the president's chair and going back to the sidelines. Always a mistake. Uh, but Tom Flores did a terrific job, and you cannot write the history of pro football without Tom Flores. He was the first in a lot of things. Well, Ron, since you took Flores, I'm going to go with Don Coryell, mostly because I covered him. I liked him. I don't care that he doesn't have a Super Bowl ring or appearance. I look at the bigger picture and believe he had an enormous impact on the game, both offensively and defensively. Okay, next up, the assistant coach you'd most like to put in the hall. Goose? Bobby Turner. He was Mike Shanahan's longtime running backs coach, first at Denver and then Washington. In his 20 seasons, he has produced 14,000-yard rushes, including five rookies. His running game has finished the NFL's top 10 15 times and the top 5 11 times. And you know where he's working these days? Atlanta. So we shouldn't be surprised that Devonta Freeman has emerged as the NFL's best running back and leading rusher this season. Well, I knew he worked at Atlanta. He runs the Turner Broadcast Network, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Did you think of that all by yourself? Or did you have no uh, I'm going to go with Clark Shaughnessy, the inventor of the modern team formation. Without him, there'd be no West Coast offense and maybe no offense, period. You know, He's the guy who first installed it with the Bears and told George Hallis to draft Sid Luckman and put him under center. And when he finally got his chance as a head coach in 1948, he invented the three wide receiver set uh, to, that's now a staple in the NFL to turn uh, Craig Legs Hershey into a Hall of Fame player. And his second year there, what did he do? Wins the Western Conference Championship. Also made enough enemies that they kicked his butt out of there because uh, he could be hard to get along with. But the guy really belongs in the Hall of Fame. He, was he does belong in the Hall enemy. of Fame because of his first name. I love that first name. But I'm going with Ernie Zampezi. What's his name again? Bill Shaughnessy? <laughs> Ernie did wonders oh. with that Air Coriel offense. And Scamper. Goose knows it. Yeah, the Stamper. He won a Super Bowl in Dallas. He influenced guys like Mike Martz and Norv Turner, both of whom won Super Bowl rings with terrific quarterbacks. And speaking of quarterbacks, guys, next up, the senior quarterback, meaning someone who's been out of the game 25 or more years that you would put in. And, Ron, I don't want to hear about Ken Stabler oh. because he's up for election in February. So, Goose, kick it off. Where are you voting? I'll go with Kenny Anderson. He won four NFL passing titles, two in the 1970s, two more in the 1980s. He took the Bengals to a Super Bowl. He's all that Bill Walsh, his former offensive coordinator, wanted a quarterback to be. Well, for me, as you know, I'm kind of a historian of the game, and uh, I don't understand how Cecil Isbell is not in the Hall of Fame. He's one of only two all-decade quarterbacks not in the Hall. Uh, he twice led the NFL in passing yardage and touchdowns and was uh, the most accurate thrower of his time. 
Don Hudson broke all his receiving records. Well, who do they think was throwing him the ball? Mother <laughs> Teresa? No, Cecil Isbell. Put him in the hall. Well, I'm going with Ken Anderson, too, Goose. Uh, I'd love to vote for it. Friend of the show. Burt Jones, but he just wasn't around long enough. Anderson was, and he does belong. Next up, senior defensive player you'd vote in. Goose? Easily, Johnny Robinson. He played 12 seasons with the Chiefs, went to seven Pro Bowls, led the AFL in interceptions with 10 and 66, led the NFL with 10 interceptions in 1970. He played in two Super Bowls, won one, still ranks 12th all-time in interceptions with 57. I like Johnny Robinson, Goose, but you almost got it right when you said easy. I thought you were going to say easily. Kenny Easley, it's not even <laughs> close. Ronnie Lott says he's the greatest safety who ever lived. So do I. Take either guy's opinion. Uh, but my eyes say uh, that guy was a force. Defensive player of the year. Pro Bowler five times in seven years, including the, his last year when he was suffering with kidney failure. That guy's an all-world player. Hey, thanks for voting, guys. Appreciate it. Now we get to cast our ballot for the next commercial. When we return, we're going to hear from Devin McCourty of the unbeaten New England Patriots. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by MyCleanPC.com. If your computer runs slowly, just log on to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. Within minutes, you can download software to clean what's slowing down your computer. For more details, go to MyCleanPC.com. Hi, Tom Bodet trying out this Paleolithic diet. You know, the one where you eat the stuff cavemen used to eat? Well, right now, I just want to hunt and gather a pizza. For you, on the other hand, I recommend a steady diet of Motel 6, where you can get a clean, comfortable room for the lowest price of any national chain. Sure beats this cave, not to mention the loincloth, which is draftier than I anticipated. Well, I'm Tom Bodet from Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. Book online at motel6.com. The 2015 Cupera features plush leather seating that will feel to your hemorrhoids like sitting on lava-hot knitting needles. Not if you step up to relief with the power of two from Preparation H. First, use Preparation H medicated wipes to soothe as they clean. Then, Preparation H maximum strength cream to relieve pain and burning. Now, sink into that rich upholstery. Mmm, luxurious. Preparation H. Don't stand for hemorrhoids. Use directed. And try specially formulated medicated wipes for women. You know the story of Hansel and Gretel, where Hansel left breadcrumbs on the trail so they could find their way back home? That's what you do when you use public Wi-Fi, or shop online, or give out your social security number at your doctor's office or the bank. You leave breadcrumbs on the trail for someone to possibly steal your identity and take everything you own. At LifeLock, we use proprietary technology to detect signs that someone has picked up your breadcrumbs to take what's yours. And unlike free credit monitoring services that only alert you, we have a dedicated resolution staff to help clean things up if all those breadcrumbs get messy. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But with LifeLock, you can keep doing the things you do every day and feel better protected. Isn't it time to help protect yourself from someone eating your financial lunch? Plans start at $9.99 a month. Right now, you can get 10% off. Go to lifelock.com and enter promo code NEWS. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges. Cannot play with him. Rick Gosselin. Cannot win with him. And Clark Judge. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. I want winners. Our next guest, Deb McCourty, is a winner, and he's also a member of a most exclusive group. He's only the third player in NFL history to be selected All-Pro at both cornerback and safety. Joins Hall of Famers Ronnie Lott and Rod Woodson, and he would love to join them in Canton one day. But for a safety, as you know, that road is arduous. There are only seven pure safeties in the Hall. But Devin was the Patriots' number one draft choice in 2010 and made an immediate impact, starting 16 games at cornerback and reaching the Pro Bowl that year. 
course, he played another year and a half at corner before switching to safety midseason 2012. And that transition went so smoothly, he was selected to the Pro Bowl last season after the completion of what became his first Super Bowl winning season. Now, of course, he's made another change. He's on our show. Deb McCourty, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me on. Well, Devin, uh, you know, you're in your sixth NFL season now. You're fourth, I believe, at safety. What's the difference between a rookie cornerback that you were in 2010 and, and the Pro Bowl safety you are today? Are you a completely different player? Uh, I think knowledge is probably the biggest difference. I know a lot more uh, about the game than I knew back in 2010. I always tell the younger guys when I was a rookie, I was basically just running around listening to one of our veteran safeties, James Sanders, who really understood the game. He used to throw off so many different clues or, or tendencies right before the play, and I just listened and played off that. And now I, I try to become that old guy out there screaming out some tendencies and, and trying to give other guys a head throw. Devin, of the 263 players in the Hall of Fame, there are only seven pure safeties. Not a one has been enshrined in 17 years. Why is the position so underrated, at least by the Hall of Fame standards? Uh, I think one thing um, our coach, uh, Coach Flores, always tells us, a lot of our job will have to do with putting other people in positions to make plays. Not always will it be one of the safeties, but he always says we have a lot of control in the secondary to put, you know, sometimes a linebacker might be in coverage, but taking him out of coverage and letting him rush or putting a corner or somebody else in, in a different position so they can make a play. And I think when you do things like that, that doesn't get noticed by anyone watching. That won't really get you in the Hall of Fame. But I also think with, with guys retiring like Ed Reed and, and Troy Palomalo and uh, Adrian Wilson, I think that'll probably change in a couple of years. But those guys, when they're uh, available to go in and, and be elected into the Hall of Fame, I think that will change. We're with Devin McCourty of the New England Patriots on the Talk of Fame Network. And Devin, when I introduced you, I mentioned that you did come in the league as a corner and you did switch to safety. Considering that, did you grow up, just wondering, did you grow up, Dreaming one day of being an NFL safety, or was it all about being the next Deion Sanders? Uh, actually, in high school, in my first two years in college, I played I played only safety. So I always liked safety. Uh, when I got to college, I was smaller, and, I, and the best opportunity to play uh, as a redshirt freshman uh, was playing corner. So I made this, actually redshirt sophomore. I made the switch so I could get on the field more and play corner. So um, I really have always played safety up until my like I said, my sophomore year in college when I switched to corner. So uh, for me, it's really, it's never been a, a big difference. Uh, what a dream, you know, job would be corner or safety. Uh, just playing uh, defensive back in the NFL uh, did it for me. What was it about safety positions you liked the most? I think the, the freelancing part uh, of being able to be deep and, and seeing things and just be back there freelancing, running around, and then having control of other guys and, and helping them out and, and putting them in positions to make plays and kind of being in control of everything that happened in the back end. How would you describe, you know, you've played both positions at the highest level, obviously, so how would you describe, Devin, the difference between, you know, being a corner in the NFL and, and being a safety in the NFL? And which one do you think is, is more demanding, even though the jobs are different? I think uh, physically corner is, is way more demanding. Just from, from the standpoint, you line up, you know, sometimes a yard away from a guy, maybe seven yards off a guy, and you have him, you know, man-to-man coverage, zone coverage, you got to really take him away, you know, and you need to make some decisions right away. And I think technique-wise and just physicality, you got to be prepared to do that. 
you know, each week, especially with the, the quality of receivers we have in the NFL. Whereas I think safety is, is more taxing on you mentally because you need to know more. You need to be more in tune, you know, with the quarterback and the whole offensive scheme. Uh, as far as, you know, for a corner, you're really just focused on really receivers uh, as far as the pass game and then maybe in different defenses you have run support or have to make a tackle later downfield where safety sometimes you're, you might be in run support, you know, involved in the box. You might be deep. You might have to cover a guy. You just have more things you need to do and know out on the field. But I think corner is definitely tougher to play just from the standpoint of being able to go out there and cover a guy week in and week out. Devin, do you watch tapes of other safeties? Did you watch tapes of other safeties when you switched? And also, um, who's the best safety you've seen? Uh, I watched safeties in the offseason. I've watched Ed Reed, uh, Charles Woodson. I've watched a, a bunch of guys, um, Earl Thomas. There's different guys that I think, you know, have similar playing styles to me. So I try to always see if there's things from their game that I can take away and put in my game. So I don't know who's the the actual, you know, the best. I mean, obviously, Ed Reed's career is really like no other as far as his numbers and everything he was able to do on the field. But I think each one of those guys bring a different, you know, different style of play to their team that really made their team and their defenses really good defense just with their style of play. We're with New England Patriots safety Devin McCourty. And Devin, as these guys can tell you, especially Ron, I like Here it comes, no, Devin. Here I it comes. love watching your quarterback play. So, I've got a man crush on Tom Brady. It's unbelievable. So, I'm wondering, what's it like playing against Tom Brady every day? I mean, Darrell Rebus said it was a daily competition. Is it? Oh, definitely. Um, I mean, just trying to stay, you know, defensive. When we're in training camp and practice, Tom knows what we're doing, and we have a good idea of what they're doing. So, you know, sometimes it comes down to trying to fool him and make him think we're doing something else. And, you know, being in and out of different calls, you know, it's always a battle, and I think it's, it's really good practice for when you get in game situations. There's no one that's more prepared for any situation than Tom as far as, far as knowing what he wants the offense to be in, knowing what he wants to attack, you know, based on what the defense is in. You get a great look at that, you know, every day in practice. So it's, it's a joy to be able to and compete with him, especially you talk about in the offseason and training camp where, you know, we're not preparing for any other team. It's just head-to-head every day. Just as a as an aside, Devin, before I uh, ask you the next thing on my mind, you were talking about safeties, and, and we were talking about historical safeties. And if you ever want to watch tape, and you may have heard of this guy, you may not have because we're old enough to have seen everybody since Red Grange, but you missed a couple guys. But if you ever want to uh, see some tape of a great safety, go watch Kenny Easley when he played for Seattle, who Ronnie Lott told us is the greatest, greatest safety who ever lived. He only played seven years because of a, a kidney injury, but I saw him play a lot of his games. And you want to see a great safety? That's the guy you want to look at. Go ask Belichick about okay, him. Okay, I gotta check that out. Yeah, Kenny Easley. He uh, 224 pounds and knock your block off. He can cover anybody, <laughs> and uh, he's my kind of guy. <laughs> to tell you the truth, uh, but what I wanted to ask you about was your twin brother Jason. You know, he beat you into the NFL by a year, uh, but you beat him to the Pro Bowl. You beat him to the Super Bowl. Uh, you got a better ring collection than he does. Do the two of you guys still compete against each other, uh, and do you dream about ever playing together again the way you did in high school and, and at Rutgers? Yeah, we. I mean, we compete all the time. I think our ability to get better in, in the off season is due to the fact of us just competing uh, against each other and learning from each other. And then, 
uh, we hope someday we can play, you know, on the same team, even if it's, you know, a year or two before being out of the league and being a retired player. Just uh, we think it'd be cool to, you know, put everything we've learned, you know, together and be able to play together one more time. Uh, it'd be cool for us, and it'd be awesome for my mom to see. Sure. Which one of you guys would take the least pay to do it? I guess he'd say you, and you would have to say him, right? Uh, I mean, I think either one of us would do it, but I would hope he would be the bigger man and do it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Devin, the, the game's evolved, and your position has evolved. What's the premium now on being a cover safety? Uh, I think that's the key. I think, you know, most teams would rather have a guy, you know, that can cover a lot of ground and, you know, cover – a bunch of different guys, especially, you know, the way offenses are now. You know, you don't traditionally see teams come out and two back, one tight end and two receivers, you know, that often. You know, you see teams like us where you put on the field, you put Gronk and Scott Chandler out there, and, you know, you go out there with two safeties, you're going to need one of those guys to be able to at least cover one tight end. And, you know, sometimes it's having three safeties on the field to cover tight end. So, uh, I think that is a key. I think being able to cover uh, guys man-to-man at safety and then be able to have some speed and range in the back end, I think, is the, the key to the safety position now in a lot of teams' eyes just because the way the game's changed is all about spreading teams out and getting guys in one-on-one situations that you're going to need guys to cover usually in key parts of the game, you know, third down, red area, two-minute drives. You'll need guys to step up and, and, and cover guys. We're with New England Patriots safety, Devin McCourty. And, Devin, um, as we mentioned, the safety position is very difficult for players to play and then get into the Hall of Fame, the pure safeties. Uh, Ken Houston, who played for a team that no longer exists, the Houston Oilers, was the last one to be inducted. That was 35 years ago. Will Ed Reed and Troy Palomo break that streak? I suppose they will. But I guess if they do, which one, in your mind, deserves to go in first? Uh, I, think, I, think they both, I think they will both break it, I guess. Ed Reed retired before Troy, so would that mean he'd be up first? Yeah. I think yeah. I think whoever has the first opportunity, I think, will do it. And I think, you know, me being a, a free safety now, I really enjoy watching Ed Reed, so I would I would say Ed Reed. And what was it about Ed's game that you liked the most? I think his anticipation skills. I remember coming out of college, uh, Chuck Pagano did my pro day, and he was just speaking about the uh, – the amount of time went into watching film for him and being able to really study quarterbacks and offenses to be able a couple times a game just, you know, make plays and, and jump out there and, you know, do something that quarterbacks wouldn't expect. And I've also talked to Tom about it, and he talked about how you just never really knew where he was going to be, and then he would make plays that you didn't really expect, but he, he kind of knew where he wanted to be on the field, even if, you know, it wasn't what the defense required him to do. He studied enough film to know uh, exactly where he needed to be. Devin, we're out of time, unfortunately, but thank you so much. And you know what? We'll see you in the playoffs. Uh, hopefully. You don't want to speak too soon. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Perfect Patriot response. There you go. Thank you. Thanks, Devin. Thanks, Devin. That was New England safety Devin McCourty. Up next, more about safeties and why the Hall of Fame Board of Selectors has such a hard time warming up to them. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Just a reminder, the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by GEICO. That's GEICO, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to GEICO.com. We're also brought to you by Proactive. For just $19.95, you can get Proactive and a rotating, deep cleansing brush valued of $45. 
Better yet, you get clear and stay clear or your money back. Just call 1-800-644-5944. That's 1-800-644-5944. Call Quicken Loans now at 800-QUICKEN to see if you qualify for the government's Home Affordable Refinance Program, or HARP. And for five years in a row now, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction. And for the second year in a row, they've also ranked us highest in mortgage servicing. Call 800-QUICKEN or visit quickenloans.com. Visit jdpower.com for award information. Call for cost information and conditions. Equalizing lender, license in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. When you cough all day, you forget what a miracle coughing is. Your cough soars out of your mouth at 50 miles an hour. Your cough is faster than a greyhound and nearly twice as fast as the fastest man on earth. So when your husband spends all night coughing, remember what an amazing world you live in. Or else, try Robitussin 12-Hour. It soothes and delivers fast, powerful cough relief for up to 12 hours. New Robitussin 12-Hour, because it's never just a cough. Use as directed. Hi, Tom Bodette. Apparently, it's not enough to go on a weekend jog. Nowadays, so-called fun runs have barbed wire, mud bogs, and flaming hoops. Can poison blow darts be far behind? But Motel 6 is a safe stop in the long or short run. Always a clean, comfortable room for the lowest price of any national chain. Book online at motel6.com. I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll leave the light on for you. Ow, was that a blow? The 2015 Cupera features plush leather seating that will feel to your hemorrhoids like sitting on lava-hot knitting needles. Not if you step up to relief with the power of two from Preparation H. First, use Preparation H medicated wipes to soothe as they clean. Then, Preparation H maximum strength cream to relieve pain and burning. Now, sink into that rich upholstery. Mmm, luxurious. Preparation H. Don't stand for hemorrhoids. Use directed. And try specially formulated medicated wipes for women. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges. Rick Gosselin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. They are who we thought they were. Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by GEICO, and they are who we thought they were. It's GEICO, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to GEICO.com. We're also brought to you by MyCleanPC. If your computer runs slowly, go to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes... You can download software that can clean up what may be the problem. For more information, go to MyCleanPC.com. And guys, before we went to break, we were talking with Devin McCourty, a converted cornerback who really, Ryan, he seems to have found a home at safety. No question. And I guess that's not all that unusual because we had a friend of the show, Ronnie Lott, do it. We had Rod Woodson do it. And we have Charles Woodson. I think Rod Wilson was a friend of the show, too, wasn't he, bro? He was, no. back he was when we were in show. Boston. Back when we were go. in Boston. When we all got yeah, some friends. He was. And we have Charles Woodson, who's no relation to Rod, doing it today. But Lot Future and Rod friend Woodson of the show. are Hall of Famers. Charles Woodson, on that track. He's not what Goose would call a future Hall of Famer, because Goose doesn't like that. But Goose he just is broke on the out in prickly heat. He yeah, just broke out in prickly heat right there. That's right. Said that. But safety, guys, as you know, it's a difficult position to make it to the hall. We pointed that out in the first hour. Uh, that is, of course, when you're a safety and nothing but a safety. The last pure safety, as I mentioned, made it to Canton, was elected in 1998. That was Paul Krause. The last pure safety to play to play was Ken Houston. That was 1980. So, Goose, what's the problem? I mean, why do selectors? You've been on this 
board for a long period of time. Why do selectors have a bias against pure safeties? Because they play in the middle of the field. The Hall of Fame is all about the impact players on the game's edge, the cornerbacks, speed pass rushers, offensive tackles, wide receivers, halfbacks, quarterbacks. The players in the middle of the field are perceived to have less of an impact on the game and thus get passed over. That's the safeties, defensive tackles, tight ends, centers, and guards. The two most overlooked positions are safety and tight end. Well, Goose, is, as you know, and maybe as most people know, John Lynch played that middle of the field, and he's the next pure safety, at least among the modern-day candidates. Who's up for Canton? He's been a finalist the past, I think it's three years, and I'd imagine he's going to be a finalist again this year. Um, but as you know, guys, uh, there are others. There are other senior candidates. You guys are on the senior board. There are other safeties, pure safeties I'm talking about, who are worthy of Hall of Fame consideration. So... Let's put John Lynch aside for a second. And you want to start, Goose, I'll start with you. You want to start with one or two of those pure safeties that deserve consideration? How about there are 11 all-decade safeties currently on the outside looking in, and nine of them have never even been discussed as finalists. Johnny Robinson, Kenny Easley, and Steve Water immediately come to mind. They should already be in. Eddie Metter, Cliff Harris, Dick Anderson also deserve better fates than what they've been dealt so far. Ronnie? Yeah, well, I agree. Obviously, you guys know, you know, Kenny Easley is, is to me, by far the best choice. No knock on Johnny Robinson, who deserves it as well. But, uh, you know, you look at uh, two of the four safeties from the 1990s all decade, uh, Carnell Lake and Leroy Butler, have never been discussed. Atwater really hasn't come close, in my opinion. Cliff Harris was a first-team all decade in the 70s. He isn't a factor. Same with Dick Anderson and Jake Scott, great safeties from the Miami 70s uh, defenses. Frankly, it's just a position that seemed to be better represented and respected by the committee of 20 or 30 years ago than it is today. Uh, Ronnie, it's funny John, you mentioned... Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say for John Lynch and Ed Reed and, and Paul Amalo to pass all those guys without even a discussion seems uh, ill-advised to me. Well, I was going to say, it's funny you mentioned uh, Lake and Atwater because Rod Woodson mentioned them in our first hour. He mentioned those guys as uh, guys who had influence on and people he think of, thinks of when he thinks of safeties. Um, but getting back to Lynch, Ron, I'll ask you, since you mentioned him here, what do you think John Lynch's chances are, ever? Well, I'd say they're good uh, because he's very popular, but, but, but fading. You know, he's got uh, more spectacular, spectacular competition uh, heading uh, forward with, uh, with Ed Reed and, and, and Paul Amalu. Uh, but what's fascinating to me in all of this is that Lynch wasn't even an all-decade safety during his own era. And he passed uh, guys like Easley, who was all-world, and Robinson, who was the best safety in AFL history. I, I don't quite get how that happened, except the fact that he's a nice guy and a very popular guy and a very good player. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Right. But you're not all-decade. You pass the guys that are all-decade, and you get in the room, and they don't. Ron, the latest is the greatest. You know that. Yeah. Well, Goose, I agree with him. I think John Lynch better get in pretty soon if he's getting in because he's got some Pretty quality safeties behind him. Ed Reed and Troy Palomalo coming up in a few years. If John Lynch is still on the board then, do they jump the queue? In other words, do they jump him and go to the front of the line? Well, Reed definitely jumps him. He's only five players in NFL history intercepted more passes than Reed. He's also scored 14 touchdowns on interceptions, fumble returns, punt returns, and blocked punt returns. And he's blocked four kicks. I'm not sure about Palomalo, though. Well, you know, that's interesting with Polo Model because I always thought, and look, I watched the Patriots burn him a ton. I mean, he made some great plays, but he also uh, did a lot of knit with things that got, that got his team in trouble. I think he, he, look, he was a great player for a brief period of time. He was a good player for a long time. 
Hall of Fame player, I'm not convinced. Well, Rick, I'll ask you one more question on this. Um, if we declared a Hall of Fame amnesty this year and let every safety in you believe qualifies, I'm not talking about Palomalo. I'm not talking about Ed right. Reed. I'm talking about guys who are on the board, seniors, modern day, whatever. How many would make it? It's an amnesty. How many would make it, and who would they be? Well, I'd try the eight that I mentioned, you know, right off the top. Uh, Robinson, Easley's, Anderson's. I'd also include Bobby Dillon from the 50s and Donnie Great Schell songwriter. from the 80s. You know, Darren Woodson. And now, he, Darren Woodson's got me thinking more about Merton Hanks, frankly. Yeah. Well, and Woodson mentioned him. And he, he was part of a good group of defensive backs on that San Francisco team. They had Dion, they had Eric Davis, Tim McDonald, and he was a good safety too. But uh, no one Ron did bobblehead better. <laughs> he did exactly. That's I could never right. vote because that's why I couldn't vote for him. Every time I think of him, I just think of a bobblehead. He said it was Bert and Ernie. That's what he was doing for his kids. I don't know. But hey, Ronnie, <laughs> how many yeah. safeties would would you put in? And again, it's an amnesty. And who would they be? Six really come to mind: Easley Robinson, Eddie Metter, uh, Atwater, Leroy Butler, uh, and Bobby Dillon, who was uh, really a great. Uh, an overlooked player and, and one of the captains of the I got stuck on bad teams and didn't get in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, and not to mention a great songwriter. Well, there are no questions about where our Ron Borges belongs. It's in this segment called Borges or Bogus. And Ron, I understand you think today's officiating, maybe in defenses, or a little like that uh, CNBC debate a week ago where actually nothing went right and nobody was happy. You want to explain? <laughs> well, you know, uh, Clark, for, for the red zone crowd, Sunday's 52-49 to 49 Saints' last-second victory over the Giants was pure excitement. Yay! Uh, to me, it was purely ridiculous. Uh, between them, the Saints and Giants scored 101 points, the third highest in NFL history. Drew Brees and Eli Manning combined to throw for 861 yards and 13 touchdowns, the latter breaking a 46-year-old NFL record. They threw so many uh, that when the game was over, Manning asked the reporter, was that 13 or 14? I couldn't keep up. Well, I couldn't stand to watch. Breeze passed for 511 yards, was 40 of 50. That's an 80% completion percentage if my math is right. That's not NFL football. That's a seven-on-seven drill. It's also bogus. At one point, Breeze completed 18 straight passes, making him more accurate than the American sniper. Uh, But what was he throwing at? The Maginot line? They couldn't stop anybody, the Giants. Uh, couldn't stop a runny nose. But then again, neither could the Saints. The reason were more than their general ineptitude on defense. It's that defense has been outlawed, and the fallout is everywhere. No place has it uh, harder than on the record books, which are now meaningless, and in the referees' huddles, which have become ubiquitous. You like that word, Mr. Dartmouth? No. <laughs> the NFL no longer knows what defense is. Ubiquitous. Uh, the officials don't know what interference is, uh, because, except they've been told it happens on any incompletion. Bogus. It's ubiquitous. Officials, yeah, it's ubiquitous. Exactly. The officials don't know what a catch is either, even after they've watched it on replay for 15 minutes. Bogus. It's difficult to tell which is worse for the long-term health of the game, endless offense or endless officiating errors. Maybe the NFL should consider allowing defense and outlawing officials. What do you got to lose? Even after all those points and all those touchdown passes, in the end, the St. Giants game was not decided by Drew Brees or Eli Manning. It was decided by an officiating core racked by indecision. You guys remember, 20 seconds to play, game tied, stunning upset. Giants are forced to punt, punt! Oh, the humanity! On the return, Marcus Murphy fumbles, but the ball is recovered by a teammate who's dragged down by his face mask. 
After a team meeting, the officials rule, no foul. The Super Bowl crowd goes, you're foul. Wait a minute. Avon calling. Somebody from New York calls the officials and goes, are you guys nuts? Caucus reverses. They reverse the call, sets up a 50-yard winning field goal for the Saints. The sight of confused officials huddling as if to shield themselves from an Arctic breeze while defenses huddle on the sidelines like guys trying to read a road mat and fading light have both become familiar in today's NFL. Neither is a very pretty sight, guys. Hey, Ron, if the NFL eliminated replay, would that eliminate all the huddling? It seems officials are afraid to make calls, and they take uh, group votes whenever possible. Yeah, no, I think you're right. A guy throws a flag, they call him in there, and it's the Spanish Inquisition. You know, <laughs> I'm not sure if those guys are trying to support him or beat him up. It's clear to me now that most of the officials are afraid that the eye in the sky is going to get him. Well, here, Ron, at the Talk of Fame Network, we know what's going on because we know when an ad is an ad. And guess what? We have one just around the corner. Let's stay where you are because when we return, we're going to talk to Matt Mayoko about what's going on in San Francisco. The Talk of Fame Network. I don't like sit-down dinners. I don't go to sit-down strikes. I like standing room only. And I don't ride bikes. This pretty bad song is by a guy with pretty bad hemorrhoids. He needs Preparation H relief with a power of two. First, use fast-acting Preparation H medicated wipes. Then, longer-lasting Preparation H maximum strength cream. Let's sit together on the porch swing. Preparation H. Don't stand for hemorrhoids. Use is directed. And try specially formulated medicated wipes. For women. When you cough all day, you forget what a miracle coughing is. Your cough soars out of your mouth at 50 miles an hour. Your cough is faster than a greyhound and nearly twice as fast as the fastest man on earth. So when your husband spends all night coughing, remember what an amazing world you live in. Or else... Try Robitussin 12-Hour. It soothes and delivers fast, powerful cough relief for up to 12 hours. New Robitussin 12-Hour, because it's never just a cough. Use as directed. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy. Too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget. Too busy scheduling appointments. Too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy for you to create your stunning website. Go to Wix.com and create your website today. It's easy and free. That's Wix.com. Little Caesars has a deal so big, I'm going to shout it down this well. It's the deep, deep dish count. Dish count? Yes, get our premium Detroit-style deep, deep dish pizza with more cheese and pepperoni for not eight, but six bucks. What a great deal. It is. Do you need help getting out of there? Well, um, when does it end? November 15th. Then yes, I'd like help. The deep, deep discount only at Little Caesars. Pizza, pizza. At participating locations plus tax. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. Well, the Talk of Fame Network's brought to you by Proactive. Listen to this. For just nineteen ninety five, you can get Proactive and a deep rotating brush valued at $45. What's more, you're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or your money back. Just call 1-800-644-5944. That's 1-800-644-5944. Guys, if I were a 49ers season ticket holder, I'd want my money back. What has happened to that team? Well, it's a mess. And to sort out that mess... We have one of my favorite guys in the business, someone I worked with for years, Matty Ice, Matt Mayoko of CSN Bay Area. That's CSN Bay Area to sort things out. Matty, 
You're on with Clark, Rick, and Ron. Thanks for joining us. Gentlemen, it's my pleasure. I can't believe it's taken me all these years to finally get on with you guys. <laughs> I'm stunned. I'm happy, I'm happy I finally made the cut. Yeah, well, all these years we've been on for one and a half, Matt. Nice try. <laughs> hey, Matty, let's start with the benching of Colin Kaepernick. I mean, three years ago, he had this team in the Super Bowl. I know because I saw you there. Now, eh, now he's riding the bench. Is this the beginning of the end for him in San Francisco? I think it's got to be. You know, when, when he signed that contract in June of 2014, you know, it raised a lot of eyebrows because there was so little guaranteed money. And basically, after one season, it turned into a pay-as-you-go type of deal. And so it kind of opened the door to you know, the speculation of, what do the 49ers really think about this guy? Are they that sold on him that they would structure that kind of deal? So you know, the, the way it's it, it structured is that basically, I mean, look ahead to the next year. Whatever his salary and bonuses is are for that year, if he isn't playing to that kind of level, then the team can cut him. So... Clearly, next year, $14.3 million that the team would owe him that would become basically fully guaranteed on April 1st uh, of this next year, you don't cut a, a $14.3 million, or I'm sorry, you don't bench a $14.3 million quarterback. So, you know, there's been a lot of rumblings, a lot of uh, frustration within the organization. And right now, Colin Kaepernick is, is kind of the, the, the face of that frustration where he used to be the face of the franchise. Uh, the, the guy that kind of symbolized the 49ers' hopes for the future. But right now, I mean, anytime you, you're benched for Blaine Gabbert, kind of tells you what the organization thinks of you. Hey, Matt, by my count, there are 13 starters gone from the 8-8 eight and eight team year ago, plus the punter and the head coach. Nine of the 13 started in the 2012 Super Bowl. Nine started in the 2013 NFC title game. How did this downward spiral pick up so much steam so quickly? Yeah, I mean, uh, some of it was, was calculated. Some of it was planned, such as, you know, the 49ers have never, they've never bid on their own free agents. So if a guy hits free agency, uh, he, he's pretty much gone. Uh, so there's been a, a lot of turnover that way, losing guys like Crabtree and Frank Gore and Mike Yapati. Uh Some of it, they, they kind of figured, you know, that Justin Smith would retire. But four of the losses came uh, pretty much out of the blue. You know, they, they didn't expect Patrick Willis to retire. They didn't. They, they certainly didn't expect Chris Borland to retire. Uh, Anthony Davis caught them off guard in June when he retired. And then you had the Alden Smith incident, uh, the latest of you know the, his many run-ins with the law, where you know the 49ers felt good about the, the direction he was going, but then the first day off of training camp, he gets into a, a situation where he gets arrested. Uh, the 49ers at that point had a zero tolerance policy with him. And so they show him the door. So they lost a lot of really good football players and including uh, two coordinators and, and probably, you know, a guy who could arguably have been the, the MVP of that team, Vic Fangio, you know, even with Jim Harbaugh as the head coach and his offensive background and Greg Roman, the, the 49ers, the, their strength through those four seasons during the Harbaugh era was the defense. And Vic Fangio had those guys coached up pretty good. And so, you know, this year with Eric Mangini, he has a lot of new faces. He's trying to bring in some new schemes. It just hasn't worked. Uh, in fact, very little, if, if anything, that the 49ers have tried or they've executed over the past year has worked. Matty, when it comes to Kaepernick, 
looking at, at the situation he's in at the moment. Was he perhaps a figment of both our imaginations in the media and, and Jim Harbaugh's imagination? Or is there something else going on that has explained this odd turnaround in his game? Well, I think when he came in in 2012, he was among that first wave of the dual-threat quarterback, and he probably did it better than anybody. And, I mean, we saw that in, in the playoffs that year where you know, he rushed for 180 yards against the Packers. You know, he threw for you know, 300 yards in, in the Super Bowl. And teams just didn't have an answer for him. And then I think what happened, as it always does, you know, defenses catch up. You know, the, the Packers, in fact, they're one of the teams they sent their entire coaching staff to, to Texas, uh, Texas A&M that, that offseason to try to figure out how to defend you know, the read option and the quarterback-driven runs. And then, you know, I don't think Kaepernick is, is any worse than he was. You know, I don't think he's regressed. Uh, but I also don't think he's improved. You know, he hasn't taken his game to the next level. When last year, Greg Roman and, and Jim Harbaugh tried to make him more of a pocket passer and, and have success inside the pocket, that just wasn't—he wasn't able to adapt to that. And you know, his decisiveness, his ability to, to quickly read defenses, his ability to, to quickly process information, uh, the anticipation—all that stuff is is what Kaepernick really struggles with. You know, he, he has such a strong arm that I think a lot of times he, he wants to see that receiver open and then just gun the ball in there. And it, it does, just doesn't work that way. You know, he, he has to be able to do a better job of anticipating when his guys are going to be breaking open. There's a lot of frustrated receivers and, and a tight end who you know, felt like uh, the foreigners were leaving so much out there on the field that Kaepernick wasn't able to take advantage of. So I, I just think he wasn't able to, to make those improvements uh, from the from the shoulders up and, and being able to, to diagnose and, and kind of see the see the game before it happened. Hey, Matty, that's a signal that, yeah. uh, like Colin Kaepernick, we've got to run. But uh, thanks for the time. And by the way, check the waiver wire just to make sure your name isn't on it, okay? Never be sure. Oh, no. Mike and the pink slip, too. <laughs> Everybody else Thanks, is Matty. Gone. Thanks, Matt. All right, Ron, Matt. Goose, Clark. Thanks, guys. You got Thank it. You. That was Matt Thank Mayoko of Comcast Sports in the Bay Area. And this this is Two Minute Drill. I ask, Rick and Ron answer, and Derek Burns, our producer, he runs the clock. So get to it. Derek, let's go. Tom Brady says a perfect season is the furthest thing from anyone's mind. So what's the first? Denver, November 29th. Giselle, if he's got any sense in his head. <laughs> Which division is worse, the AFC South or the NFC East? AFC South. At least there's one team in the NFC East at 500. And the NFC East, any division with Daniel Snyder is the worst, no matter what division, even long division. Jim Caldwell says the Lions media room is, quote, the dungeon of doom, unquote. And you say? 57 years of championship-less football would do that to any media room. I say it's the realm of reality. <laughs> Does, friend of the show, Steve Smith play in 2016? When you're 39 catches away from 1,000? You return for your 16th season. I hope so, but I think not. He told us before he got hurt that he was done. What's in worse shape? The Chargers injury report or VW stock? VW will still be open for business in January. The Chargers won't. VW stock because I, of course, own it.
I'm starting a Hall of Fame of NFL nicknames. Who's your first inductee? The Night Train. Next question. Oh, oh so Shocking. predictable. The Catawba Claw, Bucky Pope. <laughs> the movie Burnt is about A, a chef in New York, B, the NFL legal team, C, the Giants secondary, or D, Ron Sources. The Giants secondary. Bring back Elvis Toast Patterson. <laughs> That's right. We agree. Giants secondary. Tom Coughlin, I have on good authority, has ordered fire retardant to be added to his equipment bag. <laughs> Better tandem. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick or Derek Jeter and Hannah Davis? Brady and Belichick have a 15-year head start on Jeter and Davis. You ever seen Belichick with his shirt off, Clark? You would not have asked that question. <laughs> it's time to shoot down another runaway blimp, guys. Who do you want throwing the first stone? Babs Jansen, who authored the classic line, a wimp and a blimp in Animal House. <laughs> Excellent. Aaron Rodgers, I want a guy with a cannon. Bigger concern for the Jets, the Bugs in Gillette Stadium or the Bugs in their defense? Bigger concern is the Jacksonville Jaguars who visit Sunday. <laughs> Biggest concern, the Bats in their belfry. What should we expect from Vernon Davis in Denver? Someone is going to give the Patriots fits on November 29th. I think you may be right, but I think smiles considering where he's coming from. <laughs> True or false? Rick Gosselin is in Valley Ranch this week to audition a quarterback. Did you know I once quarterbacked an unbeaten grade school football team? No. He's in Valley Ranch to audition as Jerry Jones' personal Rasputin. <laughs> We'd like to thank Darren Woodson, Devin McCord, and Matt Mayoko for joining us, Derek Burns for producing us, and you for listening to us. If you'd like to hear this or any podcast, just go to our website, talkoffamenetwork.com, or catch us on iTunes. Otherwise, tune in to this station at this time next week. We'll look for them. You know the story of Hansel and Gretel, where Hansel left breadcrumbs on the trail so they could find their way back home? That's what you do when you use public Wi-Fi or shop online or give out your social security number at your doctor's office or the bank. You leave breadcrumbs on the trail for someone to possibly steal your identity and take everything you own. At LifeLock, we use proprietary technology to detect signs that someone has picked up your breadcrumbs to take what's yours. And unlike free credit monitoring services that only alert you, we have a dedicated resolution staff to help clean things up if all those breadcrumbs get messy. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But with LifeLock... You can keep doing the things you do every day and feel better protected. Isn't it time to help protect yourself from someone eating your financial lunch? Plans start at $9.99 a month. Right now, you can get 10% off. Go to lifelock.com and enter promo code NEWS.